podcast starts. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to the podcast on which we talk about horror. Sometimes we talk about other things as well, and sometimes we swear. I'm T.D. Velasquez, but as ever, you can call me Dan. And on this episode, you're going to be hearing from me, and in a little while, from our occasional co-host, Howard Whittock. Howard's going to be speaking to us from the fairly distant past. This is one of those episodes, a little bit like the previous episode, where it's by way of something of a revised repeat, partially recycled material and some new material, essentially to give me a little more time to prepare the new stuff that I know you're expecting. So the updated Star Wars discussion that we recorded with Sean Mason and with Spider-Dan will be coming out soon but I still haven't finished working on it so instead because I wanted to have something to put out on the weekend of the end of 2022 and to give us an opportunity to wish you all a happy new year this is an episode that I've had in the back pocket so to speak for a time and it consists of material that Howard and I recorded in the early days of our initial podcast that became the one you're listening to, which was called the Lee Cushing Podcast. If you do not recall, the aim of the Lee Cushing Podcast was to discuss and celebrate all of the films featuring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee together, whether horror films or fantasy or other genres. But as part of that project, we also had a couple of side items that we would include in each episode. And one of these was a sidebar in which we would discuss the music from British horror films in particular. And each episode we would focus on one particular music score from a certain movie and we would play the track and discuss it. Now this was an item that we enjoyed doing. But when it came to reviving the podcast format and changing it into And Now the Podcast Starts, we were reluctant to continue it, mainly because of the copyright issues attendant to including music that we don't own ourselves in every episode. So therefore the item has been dropped. However, I think it would be nice occasionally to do maybe a one-off episode including pieces of music to be discussed. And certainly over the holiday period, I thought it might be nice to just include this kind of material as a little bit of a a change of tone. So you're going to be hearing four such segments from the early days of the podcast. And these will include one segment that no one has ever heard before because we've never released it before. So it's not entirely recycled material that you'll be hearing today. If you find it interesting, uh, please get in touch and let us know. Maybe we'll do more musically themed episodes in the future, whether with Howard or with Ian, Kirsty, or Stella or a cross-section of our hosts. Um, it could be a, new, a nice new direction for us to go in. In the meantime, though, Here are the musical segments from early episodes of the Lee Cushing podcast, 
the regular segment was known as James Bernard's Jukebox, named after the composer um, who illustriously contributed to um, a great many of the Hammer horror films and defined the sound of screen horror for a couple of decades, really, from the late 50s through to the mid-70s, James Bernard. Um, However, we're not just going to be talking about his music in these extracts. So anyway, have a listen, hope you find this interesting, and as I said, have a very happy new year, and you'll be hearing more from us in 2023. Oh, and just to follow up on some of my thoughts from the previous episode, uh, I'm still watching Midnight Mass, I'm still loving it, I've got one episode more to go, I'm going to be watching it tonight after this episode goes out, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I've got a feeling we'll be talking about that show on a future episode of this podcast as well. All right, over to my past self with Howard. You'll be hearing from both of us in 2023 in modern day recordings as well, by the way. And here's what we had to say a few years ago about some of our favourite pieces of music from British horror films. I think it's only fair to warn you as well, you're about to hear some bad singing. James Bernard Jukebox So, now we come to the part of the podcast called James Bernard's Jukebox. Now, James Bernard's music is something which you will have heard earlier in the podcast. He was probably the number one composer uh, for Hammer Film Productions. He composed many of their films, including some of the, the ones which are, are enduring classics. And, of course, The Curse of Frankenstein... Dracula, uh, The Hound of the Baskervilles. We love his music, and we particularly admire his method of composing uh, a melody for a film, which I think is not unique to him, but which is um, often commented upon. And what was his method, Howard? Well, he would uh, write music to the title of the film, the number of um, uh, syllables. He changed the syllables of the title into notes. So, Howard, give me a random James Bernard film title. Oh, um, Taste of Blood of Dracula. So the tune goes... Taste the blood of Dracula, blood of Dracula. Taste the blood of Dracula, blood of Dracula's blood. Dracula. Beautiful. So um, that's the theory. But, uh, but, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a great piece. It's a great film as well. They're all coming out of the church, you see, when that music is being played, aren't they? It's very. It's, the it's a gentle kind of warm theme yes, um, to introduce all the characters, and it has an undercurrent of sinister mm. tension to it. Um, I think the thing that I'd like to mention about James Bernard as well, I mean, I mean, the reason we have this feature, James Bernard's Jukebox, is to showcase the music itself, and we'll play some more of his music in a moment. Because I think that actually... Um, although we won't limit ourselves to just music by James Bernard because there's been a lot of great and unfairly overlooked music composed for British horror films indeed, in general. Indeed, yes. um, I, I do think that James Bernard's stuff is wonderful and there's much more to it than just the method, the syllabic method of composing that, that we've just talked about. Um, and you can tell in The Curse of Frankenstein there is um, there's such a, a percussive 
violence to the music, uh, the, and there's a brooding drama to it that was quite new. Well, to it's very doom laden music. Sort of like, it's very sort of. It, it sets up the mood straight away, and, and very unusual for that time. I would have thought that sort of music at that time. Yeah, and it, it kind of prefigures some of Bernard Herrmann's stuff for some of the darker, later Hitchcock yes. movies like Psycho, I'm thinking in particular. I mean, Psycho is famous for being a score which only used strings. That was the kind of the way that Herman chose to bring out the tension of the story and the madness inherent in the story. And that actually is very James Bernard kind of sound. Before The Curse of Frankenstein, Bernard had scored, you know, arguably Hammer's breakthrough movie, which was The Quatermass Experiment. And, and that score is savage and dark. There's no lightness in it. And then Quatermass 2, which is almost entirely shrieking yes, strings. Yes. Um, and, and there's a real power to it. He was a, a very much a much admired man. He was a writer as well. He co-wrote an Oscar-winning film with um, Paul Dane, the film critic and writer who was also his partner. Seven Days to Noon. Yes, yes. that's the one. Um, with Andre Morel. Oh, was it indeed? Yes, Andre Morel. Oh, nice link. Uh, <coughs> professor mentioned on these podcasts. Professor Quatermass himself. Yeah, yes. I think Andre Morel will come up. When in fact, Andre Morel is the star of the m- movie whose music we're going to show yes. guests now. Because what a, what a wonderful segue that was. That I, was I didn't think about that. that but that's, yeah. Well, there we are. That, that was a wonderful segue. Yeah. Until, until you ruined it by highlighting <laughs> that it was a wonderful segue, Howard. That was I was fantastic. just taken aback by how good he was. No. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, the reason I chose The Plague of the Zombies is because it's one of the most... You can still hear the the title of the film in it, The Plague of the Zombies, but it's a really exciting, ferocious piece of music, and the whole score is really good. And The Plague of Zombies, as uh, directed by John Gilling and starring Andre Morel and John Carson and Diane Clare, is one of the better uh, uh, yes. later Hammer I mean, films. It's right? an absolute classic Hammer film from that. They had a bit of a sort of like a, a renaissance in the mid-60s. Hmm. Hammer, The Plague of the Zombies and the Reptile and Dracula Prince it of Darkness. It was 66, wasn't it? Was yes. It? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they had some really, really good stuff then. And Plague of the Zombies is certainly... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a classic. With a charmingly elderly hero. Yeah, with the ass. As a <laughs> to quote Leslie Halliwell, yeah. Uh, and an excellent villain in John Carson as well. And what does John Carson sound like? John Carson <laughs> sounds a little bit like James Mason. <laughs> Yes, and it's it's always a it's always a good talent to wheel out. Um, so without further ado, here is James Bernard pounding opening theme from the Plague of the Zombies. <laughs>
And here's the bit of the podcast where we celebrate the music of classic horror films. And the movie we've just been discussing, Tales That Witness Madness, is not a classic horror film, but it does have a rather good score by a German jazz composer called Bernard Ebbinghaus. I remember um, a film that was really obscure that I came across on Channel 4 late one night when I was about 16, that me and my friend Andy, uh, we were at college together at the time, we both accidentally watched it and were really impressed by it and were talking about how unusually gritty it was. And it's a sci-fi movie directed by Alan Bridges called Invasion. Yes, I know Invasion. That's Edward Judd, isn't it? It's Edward yeah. Judd and Barry Ingham and Yoko Tani. Yoko Tani. Playing a non-Chinese alien. <laughs> from a race of non-Chinese aliens, or rather they are played by Chinese actors, and that's just the way it is, because it's low budget, we're not doing anything else to make them look alien. <laughs> They're Chinese, folks! That's alien enough for us! Maybe that is a bit racist. It was the time. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's change the record. But, um, no, I really like the score. It had this kind of distinctive heartbeat-like doom. Doom, doom, doom. Score uh, by Bernard Ebbinghaus. And then when I watched Tales That Witness Madness, I was delighted to see that it was him again. It's the same production company, World. Yeah, it has a, it's it's really funky and has uh, an unusual vibe to it and it does kind of hint at the fact that maybe this wasn't meant to be a horror movie. It sounds a bit more wacky and a bit more intriguing than that and, and the, the film ultimately is. But uh, I think it's rather good, so let's have a listen to it. Okay, everyone, so welcome to James Bernard's Jukebox, the part of the podcast in which we celebrate the music of British horror films. So this is going to be another instalment of the Jukebox where the name is purely honorific because we're not going to be showcasing music by James Bernard. This time, the composer I'd like to showcase is uh, Colin Towns. Do you know anything about Colin Towns? I've never heard of him. You've never heard of Colin Towns? Oh, this is going to be a terribly one-sided conversation now. Mm. I can't believe you've never heard of Colin Towns. Okay. Colin Towns um, is one of the most prolific and respected music composers in British TV, especially in the 90s, Um, and he's still going. In the 90s, um, he scored things like Cadfile. Do you know Cadfile? I I know of it, yes. It's got very atmospheric kind of um, Gregorian chant music. 
Um, and, you know, he'd do various short films. He'd do TV, like children's TV things like Truckers, the Terry Pratchett animation. Um, another bit, and the biggest thing I suppose he did in the 90s um, is Our Friends in the North, which uh, actually I think his music is one of the less successful aspects of that pretty monumental piece of BBC drama that's still one of the best things they've, they've ever done. Um, but... You know, I, I've always kind of noticed his name. Um, there's a great little short film called The Sandman, which is one of BFI's list of 13 gothic films to see before you're 13. Um, it's like a claymation, 12-minute thing. And it's really disturbing. I saw it one night on Channel 4 in between a screening of um, Frankenstein Creative Woman and The Plague of the Zombies. Well, that sounds good. Uh, so that, you know, that set it up really well. But... Um, uh, but yeah, and Colin Towns is still composing for TV now. He does the music for Doc Martin. You see, they're all things I don't, I don't really watch. I certainly didn't watch a lot of television in the nineties because I was at university, so I was doing other things. <laughs> uh, sure, yes. Well, you, you needn't go into detail. No, no, it's no, no, fine. No, I just um, didn't watch a lot of telly. Uh, yeah, he's just a name that was, um, I've always noted for um, particularly atmospheric kind of striking music. And he did, he does have a few movie credits, um, and one of the very early ones is the film Full Circle from nineteen seventy six. You know a bit about this film, I think. I've never seen it, but I do know what it is. Yes, Full Circle is a British Canadian co production made in nineteen seventy six. Now, nineteen seventy six is when the British horror film industry, well, British film industry generally, was really struggling. I mean, seventy six is the year of the last Hammer horror film, which is To the Devil a Daughter, which was also a German co production. That you know, um, British studios didn't have money. They weren't making a lot of money. There was very little investment coming from America, so we had various European and um, uh, various European co-productions and and you know, co-productions with a number of countries. And Full Circle happened. Now, Full Circle is based on a novel by Peter Straub, um, who is like the German Stephen King. I think that's the best way to describe him. A couple of years after this. They made a movie of one of his other famous novels, Ghost Story. Which oh, I have is, seen that. Which is an American, but slightly British um, Well, there's British movie. people in it. I never quite knew. I well, mean, his director's British as well. Yeah, there's British actors in it. Well, Fred Astaire's in it, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, that that in itself is, is enough to make it worth watching. A horror film with Fred Astaire sounds very incongruous, but it is good. It's got Melvin Douglas and uh, John Houseman and Alice... As Krieger. As Krieger, is that how you say it? Yeah. I never knew. As the, uh, as the ghost. I'd like to see it for, for her, really. Yeah. But, um, but yes, but without, yeah, so we shouldn't go into that too much. But anyway, um, some producers obviously got the rights to uh, Peter Straub's novel Julia and reset it in London. But for the reasons of attracting financing and box office um, not- noticeability, uh, and box office note, um, they cast Mia Farrow as the as, as Julia, the the woman of the title, and Keir Delia, the Canadian actor from um, 2001: A Space Odyssey, as her husband. The rest of the cast are British, though. It's directed by a British director, Richard Longcrane, who much later in his career did the film of um, Brimstone and Treacle by Dennis Potter, and then he did Richard the Third with Ian McKellen in the mid 90s. He's you know he's a decent director, and this was I think his second film. Um, 
and it's a very atmospheric story about a woman who um, who loses her daughter, and her daughter is killed in an accident, and the when she's about twelve, and she's the daughter in question, in fact, played by Sophie Ward in her first film. Oh, was it? Yeah, uh, and there's a very disturbing scene at the start. Uh, where the the daughter basically chokes to death and the parents are unable to save her. And the trauma of this makes the parents split up. So Julia ends up kind of on her own. And she becomes she's becomes morbid and she becomes kind of convinced that she has some connection um, to another ghost of a child. Um, it's a bit Don't Look Now-esque. I was just thinking when you were describing it there, that sounds like Don't Look Now. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I mean, it, it's very much... It is rather like Don't Look Now, but and it has a similar kind of morose mood, and a similar, um, very good performance. You know, Mia Farrow is, is as good as Julie Christie, but she's even more tragic because at least Julie Christie had Don Sutherland. Yes. You know, they 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 kept together, um, but um, uh, but Julia, you know loses her husband and she tends to the other friend she makes in the film she tends to lose as well because this is getting into the late 70s and horror films kind of like the omen have to have people dying uh, in unpleasant ways at regular intervals anyway this is all about the film not about the music um i discovered this film really through the music that's what made me want to watch it i'd read about the film because i'm interested in british horror films and it's mentioned in books like english gothic but um, I had name recognition of Colin Towns and I just noticed, I think just wanting something to put on in the background when I was working one night, I YouTubed Colin Towns music and this full circle came up and I just started playing it and I thought, this is great. If the film is half as good as the film that's been created in my mind by this music alone, it, it's, you know, it'll be worth seeing. Um, so that's why I thought it would be nice to play that music here so that you, Howard, and the listeners can maybe experience what I did. And um, anyway, have a listen and let me know what you think.
So there's the music from Full Circle 1976 by Colin Towns. What do you think of that? Yeah, Alex? that's very good. That's very good. That's very. Yeah. It's, it's really, very, dis- very, uh, really distinctive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, unsettling. It's piece of music. You can sort of. Yeah, you kind of, in a way, sort of kind of guess the kind of film that would be. That's mm. not Hammer music, is it? No, no, no. It's not Hammer. It's more. It's very mournful. More, it's more, yeah, more, more subtle. And it, and but there's something quite disturbing about it, mm. and I think there's a kind of warmth to it, which is partly brought in by the synthesizers and the kind of sli- slightly seventies sound it has. The kind Early of seventies actually, there's a lot of the, yeah. The kind of prog rocky sound, but in a way that that makes it more sinister because you feel like there's whatever's going to happen is probably going to hurt, mm. you know. And, and the film does have that. I mean, and yeah, it is. Um, Essentially, a kind of rip-off mishmash of um, Don't Look Now and The Omen. Although The Omen only came out the same year, so I'm sure it wasn't an intentional rip-off. But, um, uh, but I think that the music does kind of... In the film, that music and Mia Farrow's performance gives it a real kind of emotional heft, um, which makes it very powerful in parts although it does have a certain amount of uh let's watch this character while they do something silly or wander off on their own become vulnerable and get killed that happens a few times but um but when it concentrates on julia and her grief and her search for some kind of meaning in her new life it's really it's really successful and i think the music is a big part of that and really sells it well, Mia Farrow's a great actress, because in Rosemary's Baby, she's great. And she's also great in a, another British thriller, not a horror film, really, called Blind Terror. Oh, yeah. And she's blind, and she's being chased by this psychopath. She's really good in that. So she's a, she's a terrific actress, yeah. Mm. Well, no, that's maybe want to go and see that. Yeah, it is something I'd, I've never seen, because it was never on when I was young. And most of these films I did see when I was, you know, a teenager. It was never on. And it's one I've always kind of wanted to see, because it sounds quite interesting and quite eerie and a bit different and has that, yeah, mid-70s sort of. And one of the, um, I think one of the writers stroke co-producers is Harry Bromley Davenport, oh. who later on produced and directed and co-wrote a movie called Extro, which is a notorious cult monstrosity mm-hmm. in his way. I've not seen that, um, but I, I guess I'll have to at some point. Um but this film, um, I don't think it even got a, re- a release in America, despite the fact that they, you know, cast Americans and wanted to, to make it visible over there. I don't think it was even released. I think it came out on video a few years later. And I think it, it had a very short release in Britain as well. And it's and it has been quite obscure ever since. But um, at one point last year, I watched it. And I also watched quite soon afterwards the Richard Longcrane, Richard III. I thought, this guy's pretty good. You know, and he, he 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 had a kind of intermittent career for twenty odd years. He probably should have done more. Yeah, well, I think the last movie he made was a a fairly anonymous Harrison Ford thriller that came out in about two thousand eight. Which one was that? Oh, uh, two thousand six. It was called Firewall. I think it was where Harrison Ford unbelievably plays a computer programmer who's fighting cyber terrorists. And. Um, no. No, don't know that one. Sight and sound didn't like it very much. So anyway, there we go. So full circle. That's the music to come out of James Bernard's jukebox this week. So this is James Bernard's jukebox, and um, 
I thought it would be quite nice to have some music in it that's by James Bernard because we, we've missed out on that for the last couple. Um, and I'd like to surprise you with it, Howard, oh, if that's all right. Because um, in a moment you'll be surprising me with the bag of death. Right. So, you know, I, I think that will work out fair. We've just been talking about Scream and Scream again and the contribution of the Amen stroke Amen corner. Um, so I thought something um, a little bit poppy might be appropriate. Ooh. Um, and it's a, but it's a bit of pop music that comes from James Bernard. I don't know for an absolute fact that he definitely wrote this song, but it's from a film that he's the, he scored. And Philip Martel, who orchestrated many of the Hammer Horror films, scored. So, Howard, do you know a film called The Damned? Yes, I do know a film called The Damned. Um, and if I say Black Leather Rock to you, um, does that uh, remind you of anything? It reminds me of all sorts of things, but not necessarily from the film. Um, no, The Damned is the thing all about the children in the cave, isn't it? Something. James yeah, yeah. Villiers is in it, and yeah. um, Oliver Reed. So, yeah, The Damned is a black-and-white cinemascope, stark-looking movie set um at a, in a british seaside town and it seems to be set slightly in the near future um maybe because there are these kind of droog type characters led by Oliver Reed um these thuggish um teddy boy guys but who dress um very nicely and speak very properly um and uh, they are accompanied by this movie, called, this song called Black Leather Rock, which once you've heard it, you can't get it out of your head ever. So sorry about this, Howard, right. if you're about to hear it. Um, and um, what you'll hear in, in the clip that I'm going to play, um, this is just the sound directly of the start of the movie, um, because I, I, there was no soundtrack released for this movie. I don't think the recordings of this music exist, and there are on YouTube um, a nice person has attempted to do an edit where they've lifted the music off the film, but they've had to cut out bits of the music where people spoke over them. So um, therefore you get disjointed music. So what I'd rather do is just play the, the, the film clip and have Shirley Anfield saying lines, never seen a clock tower before or something. And you, you will hear in the uh, over the music. It's a Cold War kind of sci-fi movie and somewhere nearby there is an underground bunker where children are being bred who are not only, well, they're not resistant to radiation, they're able to survive in a radioactive land. And in fact, they cannot survive without radiation. So they are there in case uh, nuclear war happens, and then they can be released into the world, and they'll be fine when everyone else is dying. But until that war happens, they've got to be stuck in this bunker, which they can never leave. And the bunker is run by people like Walter Gottel from the James Bond yeah. films and, and stuff. There's a, a, a real sense of doom and futility to it, as probably symbolised by the fact that these kids are just stuck there. They can never be released. The only way we can release them is if we nuke ourselves. The score by James Bernard is very eerie. And what we're going to hear is the opening music that he composed going into the, um, the song Black Leather Rock, which is heard right at the start of the film. And as soon as these kind of druid characters are introduced, you just have this song... Um, and then we'll hear the first line of dialogue from Oliver Reed at the end of the clip.
Tommy Fall. the the opening music from the damned or these are the damned as it was called in america um so what do you think to that howard well it was it, yeah um yeah i'm not quite sure what to did james bernard write that because black uh, leather black leather I, I, crash 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 um, i i don't i th- i think it's um someone's attempt to connect with the youth culture again element. i mean this was always the thing about producers of horror films and things like this, is that they would put pop music in it without any real understanding of what the kids actually wanted, you know, what the young people wanted. They just put a pop song in it just to make it sort of relevant. And it, it, it sometimes would be a pretty awful pop song, but, um, you know, it was just there to sort of... What middle-aged film producers think would appeal to the youth audience. Yeah, I, I do think it's kind of... I like its use in that film because it's such... From that eerie opening with... Um, James Bernard's strings and one of the occasions where I don't think he is using his syllabic method to create the these are damned no it doesn't work um, so uh, you know it's it's gentle and um, unsettling and then suddenly you get this crashing rock song with these lyrics that tries you might you can't get out <laughs> of your head black leather black leather kill 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 um, which also, it's a very aggressive song, which kind of works with the um, the kind of gang characters who you heard at the end of the clip. That was Oliver Reed mm. um, telling his men to quick march, and they get into kind of military formation to to follow this girl they're interested in. Um, and he's very much in command of them and treats, or you know, does a kind of mockery of a military commander in it, um, which is part of you know, just part of their character as a gang. Um, again, very strange, you know. Uh, I keep saying, uh, calling them droogs, but it does remind you of the strangely polite droogs from A Clockwork Orange, that kind of, in the, which was a near-future dystopia um, of Britain kind of thing. But yeah, I just I just wanted to share that little, that one of, that little bit of one of the more kind of unremarked on James Bernard... I've never seen the damned, so I, I, yeah. I, I very much recommend it, I have to say. Well, dear listener, that discussion of the damned brings to a close the final and now the podcast starts of 2022. 
Thank you so much for listening. I'd like to thank Howard and, of course, Kirsty, Stella and Ian and all of our wonderful guests throughout the year. You'll be hearing more from us in no time at all. But for this weekend, have a good one. See you in 2023. Bye-bye. You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Howard Whittock and T.D. Velasquez. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at Lee Cushing Pod. Follow us on Twitter at And Now Podcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash And Now Podcast. And now the podcast stops.